We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to continue um, our I Will Build My Church. This is uh, part five of our journey through the book of Acts leading up to the day of Pentecost. Amen. Um, and uh, that's, that's, that's something that should be exciting to a Pentecostal church. Amen. My Lord, that went over like a flock of turkeys, Pastor. This is a Pentecostal church. Are you excited about Pentecost? Come on, somebody. I get excited when I begin to think about all of the things that are promised to us through this word. What happened on the day of Pentecost was a promise that went forth for you and for your children and all that were afar off. Amen? Grateful for it. If you have it, Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, if you have it, say amen. The word of the Lord says, And I will say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Everybody say, shall not. Notice it didn't say it may not, or it, it, it might try. It said shall not. It was assured. Assured. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts. You can be seated if you like. But you can sit down if you're going to help me teach and preach. Uh, we all sit down, so you're going to help. Ah, come on now. I had one standard, Pastor. We're going to have to pray her through in Jesus' name. So we, we, we read here in Matthew chapter 16 in our opening text, and this has been where we've kind of drawn the thought from this whole time. And we read here in this first text um, Jesus speaking to, uh, to Peter, and he says, Thou art Peter, um, and upon this rock I will build my church. Okay? Um, basically what he was saying was, Hey, listen. I have given you the tools. You know what to do. You have followed me. You, you have been empowered. I have shown you the ropes, and, and upon you I'm getting ready to build something. I'm going to bring it up. If you go back a couple of scriptures before that, he, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? But who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ. Flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you. And he said, and upon this rock I will build my church. So he says, I will build, it, build upon this church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's the first thing I want us to realize and understand tonight is that we have a church that is protected by a biblical promise. Words of Jesus. These are not just some random words. These are Jesus' words. And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The first thing I, I hope that we can understand tonight, and I'm going to do my best to teach and not preach, but I feel it coming on me already, okay? We need to understand that it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to speak into your ear and lie to you about. He cannot prevail. Come on, he cannot prevail. It is a biblical mandate. This is a biblical promise unto us. Jesus' words himself, he said, it doesn't matter what he comes against you with, what the wall of doubt and disbelief may look like, how thick the chains and the ropes he may try to put on your life may be, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. 
But we need to understand something that it did not say that they would not fight. The devil knows he's not, he's not stupid. He knows he's fighting a losing battle. But he is still going to fight to the end. He is going to do everything he can. He knows that his days are numbered. He knows that he cannot be victorious. He knows he's in a pit he can't come out of. So he is doing his best to bring everybody down with him that he can. So he is going to fight. That is his job, the adversary of the church, the adversary of of our soul. But we need to understand tonight assuredly that God will not put more on you than you can bear. He will not allow the enemy to do something to you that you are not have the power and the strength to overcome. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he will give unto us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Think about that for a minute. When you are full of the Holy Ghost, when you are living a a holy life and you are a part of this church that is built upon this rock, you have those keys. Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I think we should be binding a little bit of the cancer cells and and the craziness that's going on in Brother Mundy's body. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I think we should loose some healing virtue tonight in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So the gates of hell shall not prevail. Uh, understand something. Uh, it, this is not in my notes at all. If you look at the, at, at the book of Job, and if you look at the whole story of Job, okay, everything that happened to Job all the way through, all, all, all I believe it's 42 chapters. I could be wrong. It, it may be 41. Um, but all the way through there, everything that happened, when God gave the devil um, permission to go against Job, notice what he didn't do. He didn't go to Job, say, hey, Job, I just want to let you know tomorrow I'm taking all your sheep, taking all your kids. They're all going away, okay? You're not going to make it through this. Not one place in Scripture do we see that. What we do see is that when he was given permission, what did he do? He acted. So just understand something tonight, that when the enemy is speaking in your ear something, he's the father of all lies. The only reason he's speaking is because he has no authority to do it. Again, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Now, if Peter was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, we need to obey what he says and do what he does in the book of Acts. Amen? Are we in a Pentecostal church? Is this an apostolic church? Then we should follow the doctrine that was set before us in the book of Acts. Amen? Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one, in one place. A couple weeks ago we talked a lot about unity on Wednesday night when I, when I preached. Notice that they were all in one accord in one place. We're not talking about a Honda. We're all together in the same mindset. We're all together on the same two. We are in, we are in focus with the vision. Amen? So that, that, is, that is where they are at. And, and uh, the Bible, when you, when you move on, uh, if I jump down to verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That was the power that was spoken about uh, one chapter earlier in chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 8, when it said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Amen? 
Let me ask you this. You have the Holy Ghost in here. Raise your hand. Okay. That's good. We're, we're, I think we're almost 100% covered. That's a great, great, great thing right there. So let me ask you this. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. Amen? The very next scripture says, you shall be witnesses. When's the last time you used your Holy Ghost? Woo, got quiet, Pastor. Got real quiet. When we're, we're, not, when we're not being that witness into the uttermost parts of the world, when, we're not, when, we, when we walk into Kroger with the weight of the world on our shoulders and everybody can see it on our face and we're just not showing forth the light and the goodness of God and not looking to the positive things, are we really showing forth a good witness? Are we wasting, hello, that power that came with the Holy Ghost? We have to think about that. Those are things that we have to understand. We have to make sure that we are doing what God called us to do as the last, uh, the, the last day's church, this apostolic church. Again, if Peter was given the keys of the kingdom, we need to obey what he says and do what he does in the book of Acts. Amen? Now, since the early church had no New Testament yet, they were write, literally writing it as they go, um, uh, Peter appeals to the Old Testament. Uh, his sermon starts with uh, Joel and ends with Jesus, okay? So if, if you jump down to verses 16 and verse 17, and, and I'm going to read that, but just to give you an idea of what happened between 4 and 16 is uh, it became noise abroad everywhere around. Everybody was like, what is going on up there right now? There is, there is something crazy going on. And, and people heard um, their own language. There were people from every different part of the world, it said. It lists uh, a bunch of different cities and countries, and they all had their own language, and they said that they heard men speaking the, the, the greatness and the goodness of God, the good things of God in their own tongue. And some even mocked them and said, these men are drunk. They're full of new wine. These guys are losing their ever-loving mind. Uh, and, and then Peter stands up, and he tells them that the, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. And then he goes on to say this in verse 16. But this is that which was spro spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. I don't know if, I, if I've told you all this or not, but the, uh, I think I've mentioned to some of them, but we were talking about this scripture one time with the, the point youth. I, I, I had the opportunity to ride with them to a uh, youth rally, um, and I was telling Brother uh, Brooks about a dream that I had had, and they brought this scripture up to let me know and just to remind me, my daughter being one of them, that since I was having dreams now that I was officially in the old man category. Thank you for that, baby. Love you so much. So I guess I'm getting older, hallelujah. But our, our, our sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Don't be shocked when these young people that we're seeing on the, God is moving in our young people in such a mighty way. You believe that? There is something powerful getting ready to happen in this next generation. Don't be shocked when one of them stands up and starts prophesying. Don't be shocked when one of them goes over to you when you've got a sickness in your body and they begin to lay hands on you and speak a, a, an utterance of faith in the Holy Ghost and, and cancers dry up and, and, and COVID disappears. And Come on, somebody. Don't be shocked by that. It's biblical. It's scriptural. It's going to happen. Amen? 
So our young men are going to see visions and our old men are going to are going to dream dreams. And if you jump down to verse 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that, whatsoever, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, what's that name? Shall be saved. Not might be. Shall be saved. To do this, we must know, number one, who is the Lord, and number two, how to call on him. So again, who is the Lord? Jesus, I think we got that figured out. Now we need to move down and uh, look at how to call on him. Uh, if we look at Acts chapter 2 and, and step down to the next verse, uh, 22 through 24, it says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by, by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by, by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up. Who's happy about that? Amen. Having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. The pains of death. Hallelujah. The people in Peter's audience had heard about Jesus' miracle ministry. Although men crucified Jesus, it was all in the plan of God. Amen. This was God's plan unfolding before uh, uh, before man, and, and we see that um, in, in his in Paul's writings in First Corinthians two, two verses seven and eight. It says, "But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." So even, even Paul had looked back and said he understood now that even in that midst of that trial, in the midst of the craziness that happened during the crucifixion, that it was all God's plan. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in the midst of a trial? Have you ever been in the midst of a dark, bleak situation? Have you ever been in the midst of a nasty, nasty storm and you didn't see what was happening, but then God took you through it and you kept going through it and you kept going through it and when you turned around and looked in hindsight, you saw God's hand and his plan upon it. Let me just speak to somebody that's in this house tonight right now. If you are in the midst of your storm, if you are in the midst of your night, let, let, me, let me just say this. You cannot appreciate the morning until you have been through the night. You cannot appreciate it. You can't appreciate the light until you have seen some darkness. So if you're in the midst of it, again, I'm just going to tell you, the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. Are you part of this church? The gates of hell are not going to prevail. It doesn't matter how dark the night and how bleak it may look. If God is in the equation, morning's coming. Amen? Amen. So even looking back in hindsight, Paul understood that at that time that we may not have understood why this was happening. This was the Lord. We have given, we had, we had forsaken all and followed this man and given our lives to him. And some even denied him while he was being beaten and whipped and, and persecuted. But they still came back to this man and they probably didn't understand it then why he had to die. But when he was raised up. On that third day, I think their eyes may have been wide open at that point. Amen? So, again, going back to uh, um, uh, the end there of um, verse 24, excuse me. I lost my place. Um, having loosed the pains of death. 
If you look at that word pains, um, it is similar to the same word used for birth pains. It is a very similar word. The tomb became a womb of resurrection. The, the, the literal birthing uh, of the church and the power of the Holy Ghost and taking back the keys of death, hell, and grave happened through the tomb. So when we look at this word pains, it's literally as the same words as birth pains. Uh, can I get an amen from the what ladies? We can understand that those are sometimes some rough, rough pains, but it's worth it in the end. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I know if I asked my wife, she'd tell you that it was worth it in the end. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, moving on, looking at more of Paul's writings here. Try not to be too long tonight. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 17, and it says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So we see here it's talking about how we, if, if we had placed all of our eggs in the basket of he's dead and he's gone and your, your mind is like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. I can't figure out what's going on. But then Jesus is raised up and suddenly hope shifts. All of our bleakness turns to hope. All our mindset switches from being uh, hopeless to having full of hope. Amen? So moving on um, to Acts chapter 2 and going, going back to Acts chapter 2 and moving on to verse number 25. Uh, For David speaketh concerning him. Again, these are uh, uh, Peter's words speaking to these men. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Uh, so let's just look at that for just a quick second. David speaketh concerning him. Peter had the revelation right then and there and understood that who David was speaking of was the man that he had walked with. Amen? He understood right then and there that I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Why? Because he understood who he was. Amen? Moreover also, my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He is seeing that this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. So Peter was giving them a revelation here. If we're looking into this word and we're studying into this word, Peter was trying to let them know, hey, listen, 
David talked about this. He forsook. The, he, he has been telling us about this for years. Every time we read the, 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 the ancient manuscripts and we understand what David did and we look back under the chronicles of the kings and we, we see what they were talking about, all of these things are fulfilled in this man, Christ Jesus. So he was giving them revelation, letting them understand what was going on, what they were seeing, what they were understanding. And as Peter quotes Psalm uh, 16, verses 8 through 11, where David prophesied about the Lord, saying that it was impossible for him to stay in the grave. Obviously, David couldn't have been talking about himself because his body was still in the sepulcher in Jerusalem, adjacent to the upper room, as a matter of fact. But David had a promise from God that the Messiah would come from his lineage. And we, don't have to, we, we would take way too long if we wanted to study it. But if you study the lineage of Jesus Christ, if you go back through his father Joseph and go back and back and back, you will find that, that Jesus is a direct descendant, a direct bloodline descendant of the kings of Israel directly from David, straight from those loins. Amen? So in 2 Samuel, we're going to look at the Old Testament here. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. There, there are those youth go again, being all loud and banging and stuff. I'm telling you, hallelujah. Like they're being youthy or something. 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 12, the word of the Lord says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So Prophet Samuel is talking about a, a, a prophecy, a promise that's going to happen. Now, if we look uh, back to Acts, so we're looking back and forth. We're seeing promises fulfilled. We've looked at uh, uh, we've looked at uh, the wor- words in the Old Testament and coming back to the New Testament. So this is the Old Testament being fulfilled here. And then if we look at Acts chapter two and verse thirty-two, it says, "This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted." And having received of the Father the promises of the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. What was he talking about? He was talking about the power of the Holy Ghost falling upon them. Men speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Cloven tongues like a fire sitting upon each of them. That's what he is talking about. What you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy fools, thy foes, excuse me, thy footstool. Excuse me. Uh, I make thy foes thy footstool. Okay? So let's look at Peter's point here. Peter's point here is that Jesus said if he went back to heaven, he would send the Holy Ghost. So since the Holy Ghost had been poured out, Jesus must be alive and in heaven. Agreed? Those were his words. Jesus is in a place of authority. Amen? 1 Peter 3 and 22. Again, uh, 1 Peter 3 and 22. You all let me know. If I, don't be afraid to, when I teach a Bible study, if you, uh, if you need to, like, hey, slow down a little bit, let me know, okay? Um, if I'm going too fast, I want to make sure you guys, I've got lots of scripture, okay? Uh, 1 Peter 3 and 22 says, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. 
So Peter is once again talking about um, the fulfilling of the prophecies that were talked about in David's time, that Samuel talked about. Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. And once again, David cannot be talking about himself, for he never did this. Peter quotes a prophecy of David in Psalms 110 and 1. The Lord Jehovah said unto my Lord Adonai, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Okay? This is the same thing that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, where the humanity of Jesus submits to the deity of Jesus. Amen? Make sure I'm not going too fast here, okay? So, so what we are seeing here is we are seeing a fulfillment of prophecy. So uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 22. And again, if I'm going too fast, y'all let me know, okay? Um, Matthew chapter 2, verse 41 says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thy enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he, how is he his son? Okay, so this is, this is, again, another fulfillment of the Scripture, the, the, these Old Testament Scriptures. We're seeing a fulfillment of Jesus in all of these things. And, and, and he, is, he is laying this foundation before all of these men who have known this for years and years and years. They have read these Scriptures over and over and over. They have been a part of this since they were young. These were people that were, when they were young, when they were babies, they heard, the, they, they heard Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Okay, so for them to try to understand, they were trying their best to wrap their mind around this one theology, this one, okay, but there's a God, a Father in heaven, but you said Jesus is in authority. I'm trying my best to wrap my head around this. That is what Peter is doing right now. He is giving them the revelation to understand that the Father was in Jesus. He was giving them a revelation to understand what they were seeing and what they were understanding was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Okay? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Oh, you're right there with me, Brother Ryan. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Um, the, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is the manifest that he is expected, but did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So again here, we're seeing these fulfillments of the words of Jesus and the words of the Old Testament prophets. It is all culminating right here. This is what we are building this foundation upon. Peter had this revelation. We already talked about it way back. Flesh and blood is not revealed to this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, upon this understanding, he is going to build the church. Jesus had conquered the last worst enemy. First, by raising from the dead. So all of his enemies have become his footstool. Amen? That's why the gates of hell can't prosper against the church. Because the worst enemy is death, and he has overcome the grave. 
There is nothing this devil can put in our lives. There's nothing that the enemy could come against us with. There is nothing that he could try to hold up against the church. Why? Because Jesus has conquered all. Hallelujah. So let's look at more of these writings to the churches here. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Somebody shout that name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The whole idea of what Peter started to preach, beginning there at verse 16, all the way through, what he, the whole purpose of all of it was to give them the revelation and the understanding that what they were seeing was the fulfillment of the Messiah has come, He is risen, and He is here to live in you and me. Hallelujah. So getting back to Acts, we went way around Sadie's barn to get back to Acts. So Acts chapter 2, getting to verse 36 now. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So we see it here. He has laid it out plain in black and white. There is no middle ground. There is nobody that can say, I do not understand what you're saying. There is nobody that can even begin to comprehend a, 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 a thought of trying to rebuttal against him because everything that had been prophesied had been fulfilled, and Peter had just told him about it. It had all been pro- fulfilled. This is the punchline of Peter's, Peter's sermon. It is both a declaration and an accusation. God came as your Messiah and you crucified him. It's powerful. The Jews didn't actually crucify Jesus. We understand that. The Romans did. Uh, But they were just as guilty because they didn't receive him when he came to them. And today, if we look at today and if we're honest with ourselves, Lots of times we are just as guilty. God has laid himself out for us so many times. Fallen on the sword, the proverbial sword, if you will. Fallen on the grenade, if you will. Use whatever analogy that makes you feel comfortable, that you understand and you can relate to. And we still don't receive what he has given us. My, I want to receive what he gives us. I don't ever want to take for granted what Jesus did for me. I don't want to take it for granted. We are just as, gui- just as guilty in this church tonight if we don't receive him. Just as guilty. John chapter 1, we, we, it, it, we, we, we understand uh, John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. 
Uh, and if you jump down to, uh, I would have jumped down to verse 10. There's a lot of things that um, are said between here and there, but this is just going to help us with time. Uh, where am I at on time? Okay, uh, we're good. Um, jumping down to verse 10. So John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. They didn't even realize who was with them. They didn't understand it. How many times do we come into the presence of God and not realize it? I love that song that we sing sometimes. Let us become more aware of your presence. And understand that He is omnipresent. He can be anywhere at any time. I was listening to some awesome teaching the other day in my truck while driving down the road. And um, something began to speak to my spirit. And I'm telling you right now, as sure as I'm standing here, the Spirit of God moved right in to the passenger seat of my truck. And I thought, and I know if people were driving past me, probably thought I was nuts because I, I had tears streaming down my face. We were, me and Jesus were just having a moment, okay? And I'm sure people that were beside me were like, what is wrong with that big, bald dude right now? He is crying like a baby. Did, did somebody run his dog over? What is wrong with him? But I'm telling you, we need to make sure that we understand and we need to be aware when Jesus steps on the scene. And if we aren't aware, God help us. Okay? If you're not aware when Jesus steps on the scene, the first place you need to look at is your personal relationship with him. Where's your prayer life at? We got to have that relationship with him to be able to recognize who he is and understand what what he is saying and when he walks in the room. My, 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 my. Let the church say amen. So the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Peter had told them who the Lord is, and now he is going to tell them how to call on him, okay? Uh, we, we, see, we see here John talking about uh, what, what happened to all the Jews. He, they, they have all neglected Jesus being with them, understanding now and seeing that he was the fulfillment of the Messiah. He was the fulfillment of God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? They're, so they're seeing this. If, if unto us a, a child is born and unto us a son is given, so the child and the son, his name shall be called the, the Mighty God. What was that name? This is the revelation that was happening. This is what was going through the minds of these Jewish people. They were understanding without a shadow of a doubt that this is Messiah come. Peter has told them who the Lord is, and now he is going to tell them how to call on him so their sins can be forgiven. Since Peter was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, we'd better pay attention to and do exactly what he said if we want to be saved. Amen? The keys were not given to anyone else. The keys were not given to Constantine at the Council of Nicaea. The keys were given to Peter. What did Peter say? 
When they looked at him, they said, uh, 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 now, uh, or actually, let's not move on there too far yet, okay? Let's look at this. While many modern Christian groups preach the gospel, the good news, um, not many groups preach the Bible way to obey the gospel. They want to obey it according to their own reasoning, their own understanding, their own knowledge. They want to look at it with preconceived notions and preconceived ideas to find what they want to find in Scripture, not what God is saying. Amen? So just like in any other commandment in Scripture, to know it or even to believe in it is not enough. We must obey God's commandments. If, if Noah believed that a, that, an ark was, that a flood was coming, but he never built the ark, do you think Noah would have been saved? If, if, uh, if, if uh, uh, Daniel believed that God was going to shut up the mouths of the lions of the lions in the lion's den, but he didn't fulfill what he was supposed to do and continue to pray, continue to fast, continue to do the will of God, do you think the lion's mouths would have been shut up? We have to obey. We have to go forward into the commandment of God. The New Testament Greek word for believe doesn't mean just to mentally acknowledge something. It is a synonym for commit. The same word for believe is the same word for commit. As in believing something so strongly that it causes you to do something. We cannot simply believe that Jesus is our Savior and make it to heaven. Amen? We have to commit to what it says. What is the gospel? The good news, right? That's what the word says. That's what the word literally means. Uh, The Apostle Paul defined it specifically and let us know that there are three parts to this good news. Um, If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are also saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Died, buried, and rose again. The Apostle Paul defines the gospel very, very clearly. The gospel literally equals death, burial, and resurrection. That's why in the very first church service in church history, after the very first sermon preached by one of the apostles, after the very first time someone ever asked, what shall we do, the very first altar call in a church age, Peter said to obey the gospel by doing three things. Let's look at it. Most of us could probably quote this, but Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38 says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? We've heard what you said. We've understood it. We've acknowledged it. We understand and we see now the revelation that you've laid before us. What do I do with this? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
death, burial, resurrection. We die out to our sins and our flesh in repentance. We bury it in baptism, and we are reborn in a new birth through the Holy Ghost. Christ in us, living in us, the hope of glory. These are the keys. This is how you get into the kingdom. We need to understand something. We call ourselves a Pentecostal church, amen? This is Life Point Pentecostal church, amen? We are a part of the apostolic church. We follow the apostles' doctrine. You need to understand something tonight. And I said it once already, I'm going to say it again. We cannot trace our roots back to the Council of Nicaea and stop. We trace our roots right here. We are part of the same church that started that day. We are a part of what God intended the church to be. Amen? And here's the beauty of this, is that it's a promise. For it goes on to say in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's look at, I'm just going to, I feel like saying this right here. I don't know where, where, where this is coming from, but we'll just follow it. We'll follow this uh, in the Holy Ghost here. Notice that it said that them that gladly received. After all. All of that, all of this unbelievable witness, showing them all the proof in Scripture, it said all them that gladly received. What that tells me is there were some that still didn't receive it. Always be casting your seed, but understand that there's going to be times that it may not be received. Do not let that kill your spirit. I'm going to say that again. Do not let it kill your spirit. Keep casting seed. Keep doing what God intended for you to do. You receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. Do not waste the Holy Ghost power. Do not waste the opportunity to tell somebody else about. Don't, here, let's look at it this way. Don't be so selfish with salvation that you deny it to somebody else. Give them a smile. Show them there's hope in this hopeless generation. You don't know where people are feeling the most hopeless right now? The gas pump. I've watched people laughing and joking as they pull up to a gas pump, and I spend a lot of time at gas stations because I'm on the road all the time. And then they get out and they start pumping, and they go, You just watch the hope drain. Man, smile at somebody. Show them that there is hope. Give somebody something good, something positive. Smile at them. Let them know something good about God today. Amen? Amen? So the promise of the Father, verse 33, is for you, Jews, and your, child and your children, still Jews, but also to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
And that includes the rest of us. How many are you glad that we are included in the promise? I'm so glad I was included in the promise. For this is for the Gentiles, but it, it hasn't even happened yet. He didn't even realize what he was saying. He was, he was flowing in the Holy Ghost. He had had the Holy Ghost for, what, maybe 10 minutes? It was already flowing in it. He didn't even realize what he was saying. He was prophesying about something that was going to happen a few short chapters later. So powerful. So powerful. Ephesians 2 and 13. And I'm almost done. I, I, I'm going to try to get you out of here or get, get done by 8 o'clock, okay? Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So if you feel far off, if you feel far off, if you feel like you haven't gotten close to him lately, if you feel like you, it's been a long time since you've gotten to an altar, it's been a long time since I've heard his voice, you need to plead the blood. There's power in that blood, amen? Jumping down to verses 18 and 19, so that was Ephesians 2 and 13, jumping down to verses 18 and 19. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So many other words. Uh, he used words like this untoward generation. This is not the end of Peter's preaching because the new birth is just a birth into the kingdom of God. Amen? Uh, we still have to grow up and obey God's commands and to be saved from our own untoward generation. Amen? Let me ask you this, mamas, if you gave birth to that sweet little angel and you spent a few days with it in the hospital and then you, 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 you packed up your stuff when you were feeling up to it and you walked out and you just walked back by Junior and you said, okay, peace, just kept on walking, what do you think is going to happen to that baby? I, 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 they could die. Here's something worse. Somebody else could take that baby and raise them in a way they weren't meant to be raised. We plant a seed and we and we give birth to something and then we let somebody else reap the benefit of it. And they don't prune it the way it's supposed to be pruned. It doesn't become what God intended it to become. What am I saying? I'm saying that we need to take the time to grow our babies. Amen? Uh, so how does that happen? Um, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, going, moving on. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods Imparted them to all men, as every man had need, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. Such as should be saved. Continuing daily. Added to the church daily. You know how you raise a baby? 
daily, day to day. It's day, to day. I, 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 I'm still raising them, but I, I've brought three out of at least toddlerhood at this point. Um, and I think I'm doing an okay job, but there's been times where today was a rough day. Let's get another one tomorrow. If I would have just hung it up after a rough day, what would have happened? It's a daily walk. This is a daily commitment. The early church did more than make converts. They made disciples. Notice he didn't say, go into all the world and witness unto them, make sure that they come to the church, let pastor preach to them, and then let them get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then hope to God they make it. No, that's not what it said. It said, make disciples. How does that happen? You've got to teach them. You've got to teach them. How many, again, how many have the Holy Ghost? You raise your hand, don't be shy. If you have the Holy Ghost, you are effectively qualified to teach a Bible study. Did you hear me? If you need help, I'll help you. I promise I will. But you are effectively qualified. Use that personal testimony and get into the Word of God and allow the Holy Ghost to lead you. Let that daily walk become part of what your life is. This is how disciples are made. These people literally invested everything they had into the church. Everything that they had, they gave it. The Christians you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for service as usual. They met daily, cared daily, won souls daily, searched the scriptures daily, and increased in number daily. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a -a once-a-week routine. When we do what we're supposed to do every day, then God does what only He can do every day. You have called on the name of the Lord, or excuse me, have you called on the name of the Lord the way the Bible says? Why don't we stand all across this house? Have you done what he's called you to do. I know some of this was kind of elementary tonight, and it, 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 I, I know that we, we, went, we went kind of deep into some places and some places we just kind of went through it, but I want us to understand fully and, and trust wholly tonight that we understand that we are a part of this. This is who we are. This is who we are. And God has called us. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God has called us to reach this untoward generation. If we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? It's because we're not doing it. If we are going to be a part of the apostolic church, are we Pentecostal here? Then we're a part of this church. Are we apostolic? Then we follow the apostles' doctrine. What did they do? Was it, one, was it one service on Sunday and come to a prayer meeting sometimes, maybe make it to Bible study occasionally on a Wednesday, and everything else is my life and forsake what God wants me to do? Or is it daily? Are we putting him as our first fruit? Are we putting what he wants in our life first? Are we following according to the apostles' doctrine first, or is it at afterthought? Are we using, 
of the Holy Ghost? Are we using the power that came with the Holy Ghost to be that witness? Or are we wasting it? What are we doing tonight? I feel like the Lord wants us to examine ourselves tonight before we leave this place. I feel like we need to really deeply look inside of us. We like to hear this. And we see who we are. We understand who we are. We see the revelation and we understand the revelation. What are we doing about it? Are we reaching our brothers and our sisters? Are we reaching our friends and our families? Are we reaching our loved ones? Are we telling them about this? Are we being selfish with the power of God? Are we being selfish with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Are we allowing it to lead us and guide us and to tell the world about this? Remember, this is where we trace our roots. Constantine and the Council of Nicaea did not have the root of the church. The church was birthed here. Upon this rock I will build my church. What did that rock portray to us? What kind of an example did he leave? The answer is very clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all. We need to flip our mindset tonight. That's where I feel the Holy Ghost is taking us right now. A mindset flip to understand, Pastor, I feel this so strong, uh, to understand that if we can flip the mindset, we can flip the understanding to seek ye first the kingdom of God and put him as my first fruit and not an afterthought, we will change this region. Not just this region, we will change the world. There could be something sparked and birthed right here in Athens, Ohio, that could go out and literally spark the flame of revival that will usher in the coming of the Lord. But it's going to take us being committed to that, being committed to the first fruit, being committed to putting him first, seek ye first, the kingdom, not wasting the power of the Holy Ghost, not wasting our personal testimony. Some of you have some of the most unbelievable testimonies in this church. There are some unbelievable testimonies in this church. Unbelievable is the wrong word because everything is possible with God. There are some amazing testimonies in this church. And we understand that you can't have a testimony without a test. I understand that. And we said that at the beginning of this, of this service that you cannot appreciate the morning until you've gone through the night. And you cannot appreciate the, 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 the light until you've gone through some darkness. So if you're in the storm tonight and you're allowing that to hold you back, I'm asking you to get yourself, your mind right, your heart right. I'm asking you tonight, genuinely search yourself. Why don't we do that right now across this house? Why don't we just raise our hands? Why don't we just ask the Lord to search us right now? God, if there's anything, God, God, if there's anything in me, God, that needs to be changed and rearranged, God. God, if there's something from the test that I've allowed, oh God, to hold me back, to hinder me, God, from walking in your full potential, it, to walk in the will of the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God, I pray that you would search me right now to the innermost depth, God. God, I want to put you first, God. I want to trust your hand, God. I want to give you the glory and the praise, God. I want you to order my every step. I want you to order 
order my every word. I want you to order my every thought, Almighty God. God, and I understand and I realize that the enemy, oh God, may fight. But God, your word declares that the, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. God, I pray, God, that there'd be some hope rise up in somebody's heart tonight. God, let there be some hope rise up in this place tonight, knowing, God, that the, that the night may be darkest, oh God, but it's darkest just before the dawn. The morning is coming. The light is coming. The hope is there. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mighty God, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll say this, and the pastor can come, and he can close this however he wants to close it. Gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I don't know who this is for tonight, but I just feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. There is somebody here, the sound of my voice. You've got an unbelievable testimony. You've got an amazing testimony. And God is ready to use you mightily. But you're in the midst of the storm, and you've, and you've taken your eye off of Jesus. It's the same one who walked on water until he took his eyes off Jesus. Understand something. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. It's not going to prevail against you. Keep walking. Keep walking. Let the power of the Holy Ghost lead you. Amen? Amen. God bless you.